Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every Monday with a news story about what's going on in your world. Today's guest is activist Alexa Rodriguez, who serves as co-host of this year's Creating Change Conference being hosted in Washington, D.C. We'll talk about the conference and her unique journey in becoming one of D.C.'s most impressive leaders. I want to thank all the folks following us at Jesse Garcia's show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information about upcoming guests, visit jessegarciashow.com. I hope to see you at this year's Creating Change Conference, where I'll be presenting a session on creating your own LGBT organization on Friday, January 26th at a new time, 6.30 p.m. at the Marriott Warden Park Hotel near Woodley Park Metro Station. For more information about the conference, visit creatingchange.org. I'd like to also welcome the DREAM Act students who are coming to Washington, D.C. this week to rally for a Clean DREAM Act. From Tuesday, January 16th through Friday, January 19th, the League of United Latin American Citizens will launch a week of action to push Congress members to protect DREAM Act students. Although many in the movement welcomed the decision of the San Francisco-based U.S. District Court, which ordered the administration to resume accepting renewal applications for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, better known as DACA, activists are urging supporters to demand a permanent solution. January 19th is the deadline for the government to fund its budget, plus act on DREAM Act legislation that is now being supported by both parties. Good luck to all our DREAMers coming in by the busload from all over America. For more information on how to support them, call LULAC at 202-833-6130. That's 202-833-6130. And here's your weekly news update. The New York Times reported last week that nearly 200,000 people from El Salvador who have been allowed to live in the United States for more than a decade must leave the country. The Trump administration reversed years of immigration policies that provided emergency relief to people from countries affected by war or natural disasters. These temporary statuses allow persons to live and work in the United States. According to a nonpartisan think tank, Pew Research, 320,000 people are being helped by the program, which include citizens from Haiti, El Salvador, Syria, Nepal, Honduras, Yemen, Somalia, Sudan, Nicaragua, and South Sudan. The majority hail from El Salvador, and the decision to revoke TPS from the Salvadorans has rocked the nation's capital. The D.C. metro area is home to a large Salvadoran population. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser issued a statement quickly after the president's decision. She said, Salvadorans who came to the United States under temporary protective status are our friends, colleagues, and neighbors. They are teachers, business owners, and nurses. This decision will in no way make Americans safer, stronger, or more prosperous. The lives of thousands of people are at stake. And in Washington, D.C., we will continue to fight for, protect, and defend Salvadoran immigrants, many of whom have lived here in this country legally for nearly two decades. Today, thousands of families will worry about being torn apart because of this callous and irrational decision, but we will continue to look for solutions that keep our families together and our residents safe. 
the mayor and her Office of Latino Affairs have scheduled a Know Your Rights community session for people affected by this decision. Individuals who would like to get their questions answered are being invited to a meeting on Saturday, January 20th at 3 p.m. at 1500 Harvard Street Northwest. The event will feature presentations by Immigrant Justice Legal Services grantees, a program started in 2017 by the mayor to provide funding to community-based organizations, private organizations, associations, and law firms that do legal work for immigrants in the district. Residents will be able to ask questions and learn more about next steps. Imagine being an immigrant, transgender, or HIV positive under the Trump administration. All three communities face serious consequences with federal government policies changing quickly each day that negatively affects their livelihood. Now imagine being all three at once. Alexa Rodriguez is a survivor who left her home of El Salvador where she advocated for persons with HIV and transgender men and women. She arrived in the United States in 2009 and picked up where she left off, using her skills in social services to help the very same populations in our nation's capital. In the last decade, she has amassed a following of people who depend on her for guidance. She is our very own promotora, a lay individual who provides information and helps connect people to resources. For this reason, the National LGBTQ Task Force called on Alexa to help promote the 2018 Creating Change Conference, which is coming to Washington, D.C., January 24th to the 28th. The conference is celebrating its 30th anniversary. This year's event will feature 19 day-long institutes, an advocacy day on Capitol Hill, and eight sessions by the task force, including 300 workshop sessions at the Marriott Warden Park Hotel. Alexa will be one of the many leaders featured at this annual event that will be attended by the future of the LGBTQ movement. Now let's hear about the conference, her journey, and her American dream. Welcome to the show, Alexa Rodriguez, a longtime DC activist who I met seven years ago. I have seen you grow into this amazing public speaker, and you're just this mover and shaker in the community now. Thank you for having me. Because of the trust the community has placed on you, the task force has selected you to be a co-host for its 30th anniversary conference in Washington, D.C. How are you and the Creating Change Committee preparing the city for all these activists coming in? Yes, it has been crazy busy, believe me. And we have been meeting every month since April. And we have a lot of um, subcommittees. Mm -hmm. And we're working in volunteer hospitality suites, um, um, volunteers, um, also inviting the, the, the communities and the, the organization around the DMV area. So we have been working so hard. And Friday we had the last um, conference call to continue working for the creative change. How we have a lot. We have a lot, you know. We have a welcoming um to committee. We have uh, the hospitality suite for um disabled person, for um trans folks, we have for um for youth. The youth is the big one. Yes. Yeah, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah. 
each year it just gets better and bigger. And I think it's just amazing that not only are you welcoming all these activists to Washington, D.C., but you're trying to find places where they can stay for free. So I think that it's amazing how you're going in above and beyond to make this very inclusive for people who are on a budget, but want to be remain faithful to the cause and learn and connect with others. How has creating change um, helped you? Because I've seen you at past conferences. How has it helped you as a leader? Well, I believe there's a lot of organization and like tax for tax for is a big one. And for me, it's an opportunity to learn, to meet more people, but also to see that, that there's still gaps for the trans community and not just in general, but for the trans Latinas community, because we have more barriers. Like I had to do fundraising to go to creating change. I have to um, plan events for, you know, to get there. And now that I, I'm a co-chair, I believe I'm I'm a few trans Latinas being in the, in the co-chairs and it's hard, but Seeing those gaps made me think like I had to do more. I don't have to wait for an invitation. I'm by myself. If they want me or not, I'll be there. So I believe my call for my trans um, peers is for them to fill those gaps, make the present and make us visible. You're very uh, involved in the Latino community as well. And this year's Creating Change will once again have sort of like the Latinx Institute uh, a track for the Latino activists that are coming and those who are allies to the Latino community to attend this track. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, we are working together. Um, I'm a, a mentor for the um, culture, local culture, and we are also inviting the Latinx community to be here to support the Latin Institute because um, you know, there's, it, it's a gringo conference, but we, <laughs> we need to be there. We need to to fill the gap for the Latinx in general, uh, because of the this new administration is crazy, and we need to support each other to resist. Yes. So some of these uh, conference sessions are going to be held in English and Spanish, or uh, uh, bilingual. Yes, it's bilingual, but we will have in the Latinx Institute we will have a um, uh, interpreter, interpreters, and also um, I know Creating Change um, has an interpretation equipment also. Good. Um, you have been an activist in the transgender, immigrant, HIV/AIDS community. Why is it important for younger people to get involved in these causes? Well, as a trans person, I'm the expert in trans issues. As an HIV positive person, I'm the expert. And as an immigrant, I know my rights and I know the uh, the barrier that we have to overcome when we cross the border. And being in all those intersectionalities, mm -hmm. I believe the youth need to be involved because it's important to be there when a decision is making for for the youth and for us for the all the whole community amazing what are some of the biggest obstacles facing the trans latino community in the united states the first one is the transphobia in general i believe today is the 15 the 15 and we have two trans women. The murder of Vicky Gutierrez. 
yes, Vicky Gutierrez. And it's crazy. So why this happening? So we need to stop transphobia. The other barrier that we face as a trans Latinas is the documentation, the language barrier, the lack of services for us <clears throat> because we don't have documentation, we aren't insured, we don't have employment. And on top of that, the ones that don't have another option just to do survival sex work um, are cr being criminalized for doing that, just for survive, not just to Just trying to survive. Yes, yeah, so it's crazy. So all those barriers we are working on to to do something so and to resist yeah. one of the most important things that i've uh, uh, that you do in the washington dc community is to make it visible give visibility to trans women each year during the transgender day of remembrance um you have special events that commemorate those losses it's very powerful when i see you at the columbia uh, metro stop people are going to and from work and on the day of remembrance you have us out there with candles and you're reading people's names and it's very powerful some people stop to know what's going on and others just look they probably don't agree they give scowl looks but you still continue and the last one that i saw you at it was very empowering because not only did you read about all the women that we've lost and men that we've lost but you brought somebody's mother the mother of a five-year-old who was going through the process an immigrant mother telling her story in spanish so it was very help hopeful and helpful for so many people there that in such a sad day there was hope there yeah and it was just an amazing story. Have you personally mentored that young child? Yes. Um, actually, we met like on Thursday because she had a um, show in the school. So I did her makeup and her hair. <laughs> it's a privilege for me to be next to her. And now she's eight years old. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, just wonder, not hoping for, for this to be every day every every year you know like yeah. something beautiful and yes we are next to the mother like she teaching us um the love that she have for her daughter and we learn from the little girl how strong she is and how smart she is about the transgender issues amazing another thing that you shared that night is that you consider yourself very lucky because not that many trans women f from your part of the world get to reach past 30, past 40. So it's just, tell us a little bit about that. Coming from El Salvador, which is a um, really violent country in general because of the gang members, but also for trans women in a specific, it's really violence. Every year, there's like more than 35 women killed. And most of them is because they're, they're coming out younger. And when they face the violence and transphobia, they decide to immigrate. Mm -hmm. And I came to United States um, in 2009. I was 30, mm -hmm. 31, I guess. Yeah, 31. And 
And I consider myself lucky because the average age for the trans women is is 35, I guess. And I'm 40 now, 41. <laughs> and, 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 but I still had that fear, you know, because I have seen my friends that they are activists being killed. Vicky Gutierrez was a really known person in the community in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I can be the next one. Even that I am married, I'm a housewife and everything. I still have the fear because exactly. society is still there and they still have transphobia. And having leaders that support or spread the hate is crazy. So I'm lucky, but st- I'm still afraid. You came um, in 2009 and you're in the process of becoming a U.S. citizen. Tell us about the process. Oh, it's crazy and excited. Um I'm applying for my citizenship this month, and um, it has been crazy because in 2010, I I was granted with asylum, and for me to get a permanent resident card, um, I just had to wait for a year, but I didn't have the money, Mm -hmm. so I waited two years, so in 2012, I became a permanent resident. Now, five years has passed, and I'm still broke. <laughs> I had no money. Um, because it got, it, it's expensive. And you can apply for a waiver if you um, have social um, help from the government. Mm-hmm. And I do have that, but I don't want to wait because I'm afraid with an administration, and I want to I want to do this faster. Mm. I don't want to wait for um, the waiver be denied or approved. I just want to do it. Exactly. And um, so because of that, I'm doing a fundraising in my home. Um, we'll do sandwiches salvadoreños, which is a pan con pollo and uh-huh. tamales and some drinks, and um, you know to raise some money to pay my citizenship application. You are just an entrepreneur at heart. I see you with so many different businesses that you, you you and different work that you do. You're a very hard worker. Aside from being a major activist in this area. You do a lot of jobs. What's your American dream? Like, what do you eventually do you want to do? I'm going to be honest with you. I believe my American dream is different from others, but I believe on top of the list, um, helping my community with a big house uh, where I can welcome my, my um, homeless sisters and brothers and people um, to be with me and share a food, a warm food or a room, you know, um, that, that's my priority. Also a home, of course. And, and um, I want to have a small, really small um, changarro, like, um, you know, small cafeteria, I don't know, pupuseria, <laughs> something like that. Because I wanna I wanna be So aside from the Alexis shelter, you wanna have a restaurant. Kinda yeah. Awesome. You're gonna be all over the place. Yes, right. I wanna do pupusas myself and serving my community, you know, a safe place to be but yeah. feel like home yeah. and homemade food by my with my hands. So. How long has it been since you've been to El Salvador? Uh, can you repeat that question? El Salvador? How long have you been there? Like, how many do you have you gone back since you've come? Oh, yes. I went back to El Salvador in 2015 mm-hmm. because my mom pa- 
my grandmother, well, she, she was my mom, uh, my grandmother passed um, after Pride Parade. Oh, wow. I received a call on, on, on Saturday and Sunday she passed away. And it was so hard for me, so I, I was... I was lucky because I was permanent resident, and I, I, I raised myself to go to to back to El Salvador. You need to because you, if you have asylum before a permanent resident, you have to consult your um, lawyer if you can go back to El Salvador or to your mm-hmm. home country. So I consult with my lawyers and everything, and I and I went. I was sad, and I I I had that need to go back to El Salvador, and it was scary. Um, because I saw a lot of police um, mask and um, the gang members, it was crazy. But even though it's my home country yeah. and I have family there, what do you miss about most about El Salvador? My chosen family, mm-hmm. my familia Medina. They are uh, the people I love, and I miss them. I talk with them every day, and and I I tell them that I love them, and I will back soon to be with them and and share what we share in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I I miss them. What do you say to those um, immigrants from El Salvador who now face deportation because of the TPS being removed? Well. There's a hub. Um, consult with with a um, a lawyer, with someone who knows about um, immigration law. My husband has TPS, and when 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 we received the news, it was crazy. But you know, I'm I'm becoming citizens really soon, so I I can sponsor. Yes. Um, so is he afraid? He he's just hopeful. Hopeful. Yes. Yeah. That he will be fine, and even he said even that I have to go back to El Salvador, I'll I'll be fine. But in the in deep inside, I believe he's afraid, and but he's a macho man, and he <laughs> he he has to have that look, and I and I understand him. But I have. A brother, I have a nephew, I have a lot of family that are undocumented. It's not just TPS, it's yeah. more than that. But we are here to help them and to to fight and, and to to have that hope and resist. If you could say anything to Donald Trump, the president, what would you tell him from an immigrant point of view, a trans point of view? Well, that question is really hard. <laughs> I don't think I say anything, but I have, I have, someone asked me about if, if you are invited to the White House now, why would, would you go? And I say, yes, I would not say anything, but I will go, you know, just to make present and be visible. And Maybe what I will say will... Because you've been to the White House. You've been invited to the White House yeah. by President Obama. Yes. And what year was this? Um, 2000... Oh, my God. 15, I guess. 15? Yes. Because you, you were one of the 200 activists that are invited every year for the LGBT History Month yes. celebration. Yes. David Perez put my name on the list. Yes. It's amazing. And... Um, 
Yes, I believe just, I will say something like, you know, I'm a transgender woman. I'm from El Salvador and I'm proud to be here. I will not be violent. I will not be saying nothing horrible like like he is. But I will say that and, and you will be visible. I will be visible. So I, I will not, um, I will be there with my head up. Alexa, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I wish you the best of luck on your citizenship. And I look forward to the Creating Change Conference. To hope to see you there. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I hope it, this is not the first time. <laughs> You'll be back. Thank, thank you. you.